Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 2. And uh, we're going to be getting into this, and <clears throat> I have thoroughly enjoyed our study here in the book of Philippians. Um, I, I can't tell you how much uh, I'm enjoying it, especially in a day and time such as this. Uh, Philippians just seems so timely, uh, seems such a wonderful um, book to remind us of how we ought to live, how we ought to react, how we ought to respond. And uh, the, the mind of Christ is what we've been really looking at here uh, recently. Just, just by way of reminder, in Philippians uh, chapter 1, we saw uh, Paul's greeting there and how he was uh, thankful. And it says that he, he thanks God upon every remembrance uh, of them. And uh, he, he goes into looking at how uh, him being bound at that specific point in time uh, was for the glory of Christ. And uh, uh, being bound, whether it be in prison or, or, uh, or in another f- uh, fashion, should never be seen as a negative thing. Because, hey, going back to what we believe, do we believe that God is in control? If he is, then... What's it matter? What what is uh, uh, taking place uh, around us when the God who created everything still has His hand uh, on the situation? And so Paul reminded him, uh, reminded the Philippians that uh, because of his uh, uh, being bound, because of his imprisonment, uh, the gospel is going out. And so I look at a, a situation such as this uh, COVID-19 situation going on, and it's just a wonderful reminder that, hey, uh, God's truth is, is going out, and, and it's an exciting thing to me. Uh, we looked at how Christ is magnified through Paul, and then, and then he, he makes his way from uh, uh, chapter number 1, and the key verse that we looked at there was verse 21, for me to live is Christ. And so my life is Christ. And so we moved our way into chapter 2. And if we don't have that foundation of chapter 1, for me to live is Christ. And maybe that's something that you need to do right now. Look to your neighbor. Look to who's uh, sitting uh, around you, maybe in your living room or maybe right uh, uh, in your car or something. You look at them and just simply say to them, for me, I want that to be my motto. For me, to live is Christ. Let's hold one another accountable to that because then once we get into, if, if I am living a life that is completely devoted to the person of Jesus Christ, chapter number two becomes very easy because then we get into being of one accord and of one mind. And, and I love how in verse number two, he says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And you know, happiness brings, uh, uh, is brought to us by the things that we have, by stuff, okay? That, uh, people get happy when they have what they want or what they like or what the treasures that are around them. But true joy is something that cannot be taken away. So you have uh, happiness. Uh, uh, the other day, um, uh, my, I, I had built a, a deck for my wife, and uh, we got it all uh, finished apart from maybe just a couple little tweaks here and there. 
but um, uh, we wanted to get a uh, fire pit. My mother-in-law wanted to get a fire pit, so I met her halfway, um, and uh, uh, we decided we're going to buy a fire pit for my wife. And we get one of these propane fire pits, and and uh, spent the evening uh, putting it all together. And uh, we were we were kind of excited and looking forward to sitting around this thing. And and as uh, a lot of times those new things uh, happen to uh, uh, to have the the chemically smell uh, uh, because of the paint and stuff on it. you got to burn that out, right? And so uh, we had turned it on. Everything was working wonderfully well. It was beautiful. We were real excited. Wow, this looks, man, look at the way those flames, man, this is really awesome. It's great. It's a little table, you know, and it's got the, 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 the fire burning and everything. It's like, you know, I really don't want to sit here and enjoy these fumes. I've been painting, and I've got enough fumes. So let's go inside for a little while, and we'll let that thing just do the, its its issue. And and uh, a little bit goes by, about five minutes go by, and I happen to glance over toward the uh, back door, and I see it's a whole lot brighter outside than it really ought to be. And I, I go running over the door, and I'm like, why is it so bright out there? Flames were under the table and just going all over the place. And I'm going, oh! And so I'm having to reach over. Well, what had happened was the hose going from the tank. No, the tank was hooked up correctly. Don't even look at me that way. The, the tank hose, where the hose meets the burners, it had popped. And... It, the the propane was just gushing the flames, man. And so I reach over, and I, I'm risking life and limb to protect my wife, and I'm shutting that off really quick, and I'm looking and going, the flames are still coming because the propane tank is still going. And so uh, my wife grabs me a fire extinguisher. I'm shooting the, the thing with the fire extinguisher, and we still hear the hiss. And I'm like, oh, no. And so I have to get an oven uh, an oven glove because I didn't want to run all the way to get the welding gloves. So I'm using a, a potholder essentially to reach in and shut that tank off we were really happy with our table but that happiness disappeared real quick (laughs) and especially when i'm looking at it going you know this is such a fluke i mean nothing like this has ever happened and i've hooked up propane tanks galore And, and i'm just thinking you know this is just a fluke but you know, there's just something about that happening to you that makes you a little nervous about doing it again. And so we just returned it. <laughs> Thank you, but no. <laughs> Explained to the guy. He was very apologetic. But the happiness wasn't quite lasting. True joy that comes from Jesus Christ cannot be dashed. And Paul's joy was found in their faith, not in him, but in Jesus Christ. As we continue to look through here, Paul did not trust in his ability, nor did he put trust in his strength. So so let's take a look, and we're going to read. Let's start here in chapter number 2, verse 19. And we're going to make our way through the end of this passage. And uh, uh, I encourage you as, uh, uh, as best as possible to follow along. But we're going to read the fulfillment of this chapter together. In verse number 19 it says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus. If you underline or highlight or anything in your Bible, I encourage you to highlight Philippians chapter number 2, those first several words right there in verse number 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus. 
to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of him, that, he, that as a son with the Father he hath served me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. And the text for today, verse 25 through. Yet I supposed it necessary to send, Epaphrod- to, send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and companion in labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all, and was full of heaviness, because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow Upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. Father, we pray, Lord, your blessings now upon the reading of your word. We know, Father, that your word is always blessed. And those who read it, Father, are blessed beyond understanding. But, Father, we would pray, Lord, that you would commit it to our lives and to our minds. Father, that we would be more like Christ. That we would have the mind of Christ. Father, that we would be humble. That we would be... Uh, united together with one another. Father, you use these examples of these men in our life so that we, Father, may be able to draw closer to you as a result of seeing how they drew closer to you by being the, having the mind of Christ. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. As we looked last week, Paul did not trust in his own strength. He trusted in the Lord Jesus. But I want you to notice something in this. As we make our way through, Paul does encourage the Philippians all through chapter 2 of how they ought to think and how they ought to live their life and act. It it lets us know there at the very beginning of chapter number 2, if there be therefore any consolation of Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. If you would flip over once again into uh, this chapter to the next uh, few verses there where he says about Timothy in verse 20, for I have no man like Minded. It's an interesting thing. He's talking to the Philippians there about being like-minded with one another, about being like-minded as far as uh, the gospel is concerned and as far as uh, their, their goals and their purposes, their intents. 
And he, he uses Timothy as an example of this like-mindedness. Now, Paul not only gives us the life that is to be lived, but he also gives to us the reasoning. Because as you continue to look down, he says in verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Be united with one another, but also put one another ahead of yourselves. That, that uh, verse there, verse 6, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Look, it's, it's an assumed thing that you and I are going to take care of what we need. That's an assumed thing. But he says, but also make sure that others are taken care of. You go back again into chapter, thir- uh, chapter 3. Notice where he says, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better. That word for better can be translated more important. So we're all, in the body of Christ, we're all to esteem other people around us, other fellow believers, as more important than me. Now think about that, the last time maybe someone got upset because, well, how come they get this, this, uh, and I don't get it, and it's not fair if they get the opportunity, I don't get the opportunity, they get the treat, and I don't get the treat. Well, I want one of those things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let each esteem other better. So before we go looking around going, well, it's not fair that they have it and I don't, we ought to be looking around going, you know what, it's not fair that I have it and they don't because they in my estimation, should be esteemed better than myself. So why in the world do I want certain things that I don't want for them? Now draw that connection to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, I have experienced grace, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, patience, kindness. I have experienced all these things at the hand of God. And if I esteem other people better than myself, then why in the world would I sit around saying, I'm just going to soak it up and enjoy it for myself when they are supposed to be in my mind better than me. I ought to be more apt to take it to them. I don't deserve it until they have it. But that's not how we live. Most generally, we live with the idea that, you know, they don't deserve my forgiveness. They don't deserve my love. They don't deserve my respect. They don't deserve my money. Wait a minute. Paul says, let each of us esteem others better. And so if I'm saying they don't deserve, how dare I claim that I do? Now, some might try to find some wiggle room. Well, I don't deserve it either, Pastor. I don't deserve it either. If the mindset is others better than ourselves, then I understanding that I don't deserve it, and that is a true statement. I don't deserve the grace of God. Otherwise, it would no longer be grace. It would be something earned, something deserved. Grace is undeserved and unearned. But if I'm looking at someone else as better than me, then I'm going to assume that maybe they do deserve it. 
this is where we want to try to get our mind. This is contrary to the way the world thinks. The way the world thinks is, well, they shouldn't have more than me. That's not, that's not the Christian mindset. And people can get upset all they want about socialism, capitalism, whatever ism they want to throw into it, but let's just get it right down to brass tacks here. <laughs> In Christ's economy, we put everybody else ahead of ourselves. Not this equality view. No, 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 no. And not this I can attain as high as I want type of, no, 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 no. I want for you better than I want for me. Not only does Paul give us this uh, idea, but he gives us the reasoning and the outcome because we see there, it says in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He talks about how Jesus went through uh, 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 humbling himself, bringing himself down to a man of no reputation, even though he was equal with God. He humbled himself, lowered himself, condescended to the nature of man. But then he says, God glorified him. Who do you want to receive glory from? Do you want to receive glory from the pretty girl across the street? Or that hunk of hunk of burning love down the road? Or do you want the glory from your maker? Let God glorify us. Not some other man. But then Paul gives to us examples of this kind of life. He gives to us Jesus there, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, as an example of verses 1 through 4. But then he also gives uh, himself as an example. And then he gives to us uh, uh, Timothy, and he gives to us Epaphroditus. You'll notice how he gives to himself, uh, gives himself as an example of this. He says in verse 17, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and sacrifice of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Here's what he's saying. He says, look, if I die in prison for your benefit, I'm, I'm okay with that. I rejoice in that. And so Paul is a wonderful example of the mind of Christ placed right out in front of us. And so people can look and they can say, well, you know what? Jesus could have that mind because he was God. But I'm just a man. So was Paul. Well, Paul was special. <laughs> All right, well, let's give you another example. Timothy, for I have no man, verse 20, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your sake. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. And then he goes into how Timothy's been proven in this. Timothy's an example of the mind of Christ that Paul is talking about here. But if that wasn't enough, because uh, Paul does give to us these examples here, but uh, he, he lets us know, it says... Uh, Verse 24, I have no man like-minded. In other words, Timothy is different. He's unique. And while Timothy was referred to as unique, in other words, uh, he's different. He's not the same as everyone else. He, he, there's, I have no one like Timothy. He is unique. 
But then he goes to Epaphroditus and he refers to Epaphroditus as someone who is worthy of honor, an honorable servant. Let's take a look at this as we get into this just a little bit further here. Let's take a look at some of the things about Epaphroditus. Notice with me in verse number 25. Paul talking about sending Epaphroditus, he says, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. If you notice there in verse number 25, it is referencing a devoted servant of, uh, uh, of God being also devotedly serving the man of God. Ask, ask this question of yourself. How devoted are you to God's ministers? Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. This is not the opportunity for pastors to, to, uh, to get to put in their one-two punch. No, 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 no. Listen, not everybody who is a minister of God bears the title pastor. Understand that. Not everyone, I, 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 some of the greatest ministers of the pers- to the person of Jesus Christ, some of the greatest uh, uh, people who have been ministers in my life personally have never donned the title pastor. I can think of a Sunday school teacher who, uh, who was there when I needed him most. He was the, uh, the person who helped dig me out of the miry clay. And when I finally came crawling on my hands and knees back to the person of Jesus Christ, he was standing there with arms wide open, lifting me up, saying, let me help you get closer to him. I'll never forget, Terry. As long as I live, I'll never forget the influence he had in my life. And I, I can tell you, as a, as a young man uh, in his Sunday school class, man, I wanted to do anything I could to help alleviate his problems. It was, it was uh, something small, but I thought, you know, I'll take care of it. I'll do it. I would come to church an hour early every Sunday to make sure that there were snacks on the table, to make sure that the coffee was made, the hot water was prepped, because there are some people that, well, I don't drink coffee, I drink hot tea. I don't drink tea, I drink hot cocoa. And by God's grace, Baptists are going to do everything they can to please everybody. And so I made sure that, and then there were some people, well, I don't eat donuts, so I made sure there was yogurt. And and I went through all this to try to help to make sure that Terry, when he walked in all he had to do was step in and start teaching because I had a desire to help this man who is ministering how devoted are you to God's servants that's what a minister is a servant Jesus talked about it this way he says I did not come to be ministered unto but to minister in other, in, in another, uh, one of the other synoptic gospels, he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. When those ladies that are taking care of the, uh, 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 the hospitality teams and they're trying to help uh, as far as all the, uh, uh, the food is concerned and everything, uh, are we just going back going, hey, how come you're taking the food up so fast? I haven't gotten my fourths yet. Or are we going over going, hey, can I help you with that? 
Let me do that so you don't have to. You've been on your feet the whole time. You've been taking care of all this. At least let me wash the dishes for you. This is what we want to try to get into our minds. And Epaphroditus was this type of person. He was devoted to serving Paul. Let me help you. Let me write that for you. Let me copy that for you. Let me do that. Let me get this taken care of. I, when I was an assistant pastor, I would walk up, I would, I would view Pastor Green, and I would watch him, and I'd see what was taking place or what was going on. And if there was something going on around the church before he was ready to preach, I, there was no way he was going to have to take care of it. Pastor, I got it for you. This is the mindset that we're trying to convey. And Epaphroditus was one of those type of people. There are people here uh, that have come alongside. We've got a lot going on down in that building below, and I'm so thankful for folks who are willing to come in and lay a floor down so that I don't have to, or come in and move scaffolding so that I don't have to, or come in and, and, and we've gotten so much accomplished, not because there's anything special about me, but because the people that God has placed around me who are willing to uh, hold a paintbrush, who are willing to uh, change a light switch plate, who are willing to do these type of things come in and patch a little drywall uh, roll some paint on the floor uh, make the the walls look a little nicer we have people who are willing to do these type of things because they are devoted to serving god and when we serve god others become pretty easy and some can say things like well you know i serve the lord i don't serve man god served man how dare we not stoop to serving others? The creator of the universe served you. We too ought to be willing to lay down ourselves and our pride and our personal wants in service for others. Look at the next thing here. This is not a partiality. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 talks about the whole, well, I am of Paul, I am of Cephas, I am of Apollos, I am of... No, no, that's not what this was. This was loving service that John chapter 13 talks about where Jesus said, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. But verse 26, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Do you long for the fellowship of your brothers and sisters in Christ to the point where you are distressed? You know, this, this time of separation has been difficult. <laughs> I was talking to a friend the other day, and I said, you know, it's hard always keeping a smile on your face when you just want to cry. <laughs> Listen, folks, I, I, I understand, and people say, man, I miss being at church. Can I speak honestly? I miss being with my brothers and sisters in Christ more than anyone can understand. Apart from my home, 
with my wife and kids. There's no place on earth I'd rather be than right here with you. I don't long to go to the next baseball game or the next basketball game. I don't long for the day that the stores are open again or whatever. I don't long for the days that I can go to Applebee's without a face mask. I I don't long for those days. I long for the days where I can just close my eyes and hear the people of God singing the praises of God in unison, in harmony, just wonderfully lifting up their voices, shouting Hosanna to glory on uh, uh, to a God who loved them, who died for them, who saved them. I just want to close my eyes for a minute and envision this wonderful opportunity where God's people come back together. I long for for that. Epaphroditus longed to the point where it says heaviness. This is the same word used of Jesus when he was in Gethsemane and it says that he, he was burdened and he was so distressed, so distraught, so heavy that he sweat great drops of blood and it's, it, this, this wonderful servant by the name of Epaphroditus longed for to be with his church family so much that he was in distress. When's the last time you and I longed for fellowship with our brothers and sisters to the point of distress? I don't know fully the background of this because we're not privy to it. But I'm curious if perhaps there was maybe a misunderstanding that had occurred. Because Paul is very careful to explain that that Epaphroditus had been sick there in verse 26. Verse 27, for indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him, verse 28, therefore, but if you look again in verse Uh, 30, he says, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. And now uh, you have uh, Epaphroditus longing to be with with, with his church. He was longing so to the point of distress. And Paul is making sure that he explains, look, he was sick. I'm telling you, he was sick. He was close to death. I'm telling you, he was about to die. He was so sick. He was about to die. I wonder in my mind's eye, I kind of, I kind of envisioned perhaps there was some sort of misunderstanding that when they sent Epaphroditus uh, to Paul uh, to bring uh, Paul some supplies, some maybe there was uh, some ladies in the church that made some care baskets and, and some of the men sent a little bit of money and some of the, uh, some of the uh, wealthy property owners like Lydia who was a businesswoman or, or some of these different folks, maybe they sent some care packages uh, to, the, uh, to the Apostle Paul and then Epaphroditus gets sick while he's there and he doesn't come home as fast as maybe they thought he should then perhaps there was some sort of misunderstanding that had occurred and Paul seems to need the, to clear it up here but I want you to see the beauty in this 
because in verse 27, he says, For indeed he was nigh sick, uh, uh, sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him. But notice where the mercy was. It says, not just on him only, but also on me. God's mercy was seen in his recovery. Now, I want you to note this because there was no selfishness, no self-centered ambition in, in this by any stretch of the imagination. Think back with me just a moment. And yes, Paul was able to also demonstrate the gifts of healing that the early the apostles had. And just pause for a moment. You get a lot of people today going around, faith healers, this, that, and the other. And, they, and I've been accused, well, you don't believe in faith healing. Absolutely, I believe that faith heals. I don't believe in faith healers. That's a different story. And I want you to notice here with the Apostle Paul. Why didn't the Apostle Paul just simply heal Epaphroditus? Because the healings that would take place were a sign for, for unbelievers. It was a sign to help them see that what they're talking about is legitimate. This is not something that they would have used just to further their own ambition or to help themselves. Or, well, you know, my buddy's sick. I'm going to go take care of it. Tap. <laughs> Smack him on the forehead till they fall back. And guess what? Everything's okay now. No. All of those gifts were for the furtherance of the gospel and to benefit the whole, not individuals. And so Paul lets, lets the people in Philippi know God had mercy on him. No selfishness on the part of Epaphroditus either in this. Notice that Paul is the one letting them know. Why didn't Epaphroditus write a letter? Hey guys, I'm sick, I'm about to die, pray for me. No, because Epaphroditus was so focused on the work of God, Paul had to let it be known for him. No pity-seeking, no complaining. Paul speaks up. But it says there in verse 28, I sent him therefore more carefully, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. So apparently Epaphroditus had made the journey, perhaps by foot, uh, or uh, that, version, that day's version of a Greyhound bus, I don't know. But he says, I'm going to send him home a more careful way, so possibly by boat, an easier trip. But he says there, I'm sending him home, so more than likely he is taking this letter with him. It says that when you see him again, catch this, you may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. You know, God's children grow in affection one for another. God's children do this. You know, this is not a, I'm okay, you're okay, and uh, you, know, you go about your life, I'll go about my life, and as long as you mind your business and you stay over there and I mind my business and I stay over here, we all going to get along pretty good. No. There becomes this familial love. And it even goes beyond just 
the, the bonds of family relation. Think about this for just a minute. Do you know that my closest, my closest living relative does not share my blood type? My closest living relative is not related to me by blood by any stretch of the imagination. My closest, the one that knows me best, the one that uh, that I turn to first, as far as all my relatives on the face of this planet, as far as everyone is concerned, my closest living relative is the one that wears the ring that I put on her finger. That's the one that I'm closest to. And so, you know, a lot of this, well, blood's thicker than water. That's not always true. The relationship that I have with my wife is a whole lot thicker than the blood relationship I have with my children. And it ought to be. It ought to be the way it is. So kids, when you see mom and dad smooching with one another and you see mom and dad uh, getting romantic with one another, say, praise God. They're getting close. It's a good thing. It's a right thing. And that also brings to the household of faith. People can go, well, you know, my family is more important than my church. Please understand me when I say this. Don't don't read between the lines. Because... Invariably, every time you say something like this, people are going to go, well, just just stop for a minute. Hear what I'm saying, not what you think I'm saying. I can't tell you how many times, Steve, I can't tell you how many times people have told me what I said, and it ain't anywhere close to what I said. You know, you said this. I don't even remember saying that. What are you talking about? Well, you said that. No, I didn't. Okay, so hear me. Anyone who is going the same direction as Jesus Christ is closer to me than anyone going the other direction. Even if they're my own family. Because if I have elected to follow Jesus, no turning back. And they have decided to follow themselves or this world. Naturally, I'm going to get further apart. And the person who is nowhere near a blood relation to me, who is also moving toward Jesus, guess what's going to naturally happen? We're going to get closer and closer while the person who is walking the other direction is going to get further and further. That's a natural thing. And so, you know, if I choose them over this direction, I have just chosen them over him. So no, blood is not always thicker. Sometimes the washing of the water of the word, being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, needs to be a whole lot more, whole lot more uh, foundational than just because we're related by some family tree. You know, like I said before, I really miss everyone. And there are times that that I'll be honest with you, there are times that I worry about folks 
I worry about folks, and I, I wonder to myself, uh, uh, how are, how's so-and-so doing in their Christian walk? Are they studying the Word of God? Are, is this person over here, are they, are they uh, committed to the ways of Christ? Are they getting closer to God during this time away? Or are they getting further away from God during this time away? Are, uh, and and, and it, it bothers me, it pains me, and I, I, I get to the point where I just get sick to my stomach. but I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I remind myself that I trust in the Lord, the smile is able to come back. Notice, lastly, verses 29 to 30. He says, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation." Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. Ask yourself if you seek to be encouraged or if you seek to encourage others. You, you have to come to this decision on your own and you have to come to this conclusion personally. Do you seek to encourage or to be encouraged Epaphroditus sought to encourage so much that he put himself, it says, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. The servant of God is worthy of honor. Worthy of honor. We ought to note those around us. Because you notice what he says there. He says at the end of verse 29, he says, and hold such in reputation. And so he says to to honor uh, Epaphroditus and show him respect and everything. And then he says to hold such or other people like him in high regard. Hold them in reputation, he says. In other words, look to them. What is, why is it that we look at the one who can sing the best or the one who can uh, dance the best or the one who can uh, throw a football the best or the one who can uh, hit a baseball the best? Why is it that we put them in such high regard but the servants of Jesus Christ, the ones who, who, who maybe sing His praises, the one who, who uh, uh, serve Him by teaching His Word, the ones who, who give their life uh, for service uh, in Him in some foreign country, why is it that we go oh well that's nice but i know you who i really like i like that nick cannon oh come on do you know what epaphroditus in your life and they ought to you know what they ought to do is in, in, in instead of making all these posters for the athletes and for the uh for the uh the different uh, bands and everything you know what instead of having all those posters you know what they ought to have they ought to take pictures of people uh who have who have served god with all the uh, david brainers john and uh, uh, john, uh, david livingston uh, uh maybe if you get a picture of uh of martin lloyd jones and put that on your wall and go man to be a servant of the lord like him Some little girl needs a poster of Corey Ten Boom on their wall. Do you know an Epaphroditus in your life? Hold them in high regard. Look, I'm not about honoring man over Christ. 
Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying in this. Christ ought to be first. But before I ever go buying a pair of Air Jordans, I want me a pair of Air Epaphrodituses. Hold them in regard. Let me give you this and we're going to close. You see, the emphasis in this chapter is on having the mind of Christ. Now, I want you to understand something here. These men in the first century were in pagan Rome. And and if you've never studied Rome, understand something. It was as pagan as pagan can be. Paul was able to walk down the streets of the Rome in any city in the Roman Empire and still have the mind of Christ. Timothy, a like-minded individual, was able to walk through the cities of the Roman Empire and as, as vulgar and as detestable as it could be, as immoral as all get out, he was able to maintain the mind of Christ. Epaphroditus living in Philippi, a place called Little Rome, was just in, in just as pagan an area as you could imagine, and, and he was able to have the mind of Christ. So can you. My friend, understand something. If these men could have the mind of Christ, beloved, during the first century, You and I can have the mind of Christ today. People say things, yeah, well, the Apostle Paul didn't have the internet in his pocket. No, he was walking around with the internet on the street. You think what you can find online is pretty bad? The Apostle Paul was walking down the street and saw it. And so before you go, well, they didn't have the technology we got today. No, you're right. They didn't worry about technology back then. They just did everything out in the open. And they called it worship services for their pagan gods. Understand that the emphasis is on having the mind of Christ, not the person that has the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is unity, humility, selflessness, being others-minded, sacrificial. Now Paul is giving this church not only examples, but also an opportunity when he says to receive him therefore. Hold these type of people in high regard. He's giving them an opportunity. And in keeping with the flow of the book, you'll notice the very next part, the very first part of chapter number three. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, uh, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. He has to go into warning them. And so as I look at this and I see the flow of the ch- that the chapter gets, I-, I love how the Apostle Paul ends chapter number 2 after referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, mentioning himself the way he tries to do it. And we're going to get into that even more as we go through uh, chapter 3 here. But he introduces Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples of those who put others 
first. So, as I said earlier, perhaps there could have been a misunderstanding in Philippi, and they just needed a reminder to treat this man of God with the mind of Christ. And he says, so I'm not just telling you about the mind of Christ. I'm not just giving you an example of the mind of Christ. I'm showing you an opportunity to have the mind of Christ. What better timing than right now with what's going on and how we're getting ready to come back together and things are going to change, folks. And I, I understand people not liking change. I understand that, but please bear with me on this. Please hear me. They're going to be different. Like it or lump it. That's what we have right now. Now, I can go home and I can sit around and I can cry about the cards that I've been dealt or I can play them. I choose. I trust in the Lord Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. United. Humble. Sacrificial. Serving selfless and here's your opportunity to exercise the mind of Christ everything that's going on in the world that is just seen as a frustration let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus Father I thank you Lord for giving to us your word and Father, as we have seen in the life of Paul, and also, Lord, in the life of Timothy and Epaphroditus, Father, I can see how your word lays out so perfectly well. That you do give to us opportunities, Lord. You give to us people that we can look to as examples of how your word is lived out. We can see, Father, how your word gives to us examples, Father, of, of opportunities that we can have to show this mind of Christ. And, Father, for those of us who may be thinking, there's just no way possible. I can't do that. I, I'm only a human. Father, you take that argument away. And you give to us examples of other humans who have had the mind of Christ. Father, as we apply this to our life, we pray, dear Lord, that we would be serious about coming to know you and then following, Father, you in a very real way, devoted, compassionate, gracious. We pray, Lord, that you would watch over the remainder of this time. Father, as we sing songs of praise and honor and glory to you, Father, we just want to say thank you. We just want to point to you, the exalted one. Father, for you truly are so exalted, so beautiful, and so wonderful. So, Father, in this service with a high note, Father, that we would be people committed as we leave this place, Father, to living a life completely devoted to you. In your son's name we pray. Amen.